Hello and welcome to a supplemental episode of For Your Reconsideration, the podcast where we re-examine best picture races and determine if the Academy got it right. And this week on our supplemental episode, we are looking at a few films from 1982 that didn't get nominated at the 83 Oscars that maybe should have. I'm Devin. And I'm Kyle. And let's do this. Okay. So the first movie we're going to talk about is Sophie's Choice, directed by Alan J. Pacula. Synopsis. Sophie is the survivor of Nazi concentration camps who has found a reason to live with Nathan, a sparkling, if unsteady, American Jew obsessed with the Holocaust. Uh, It was written by Alan J. Pacula as well and based on the novel of the same name by William Styron. Uh, Production for the film, at times, was more like a theatrical set than a film set, and Pacula allowed the cast to rehearse for three weeks and was open to improvisation from the actors in spontaneous things, according to Streep. And those are all my fun facts about Sophie's Choice. <laughs> not a lot of fun facts around no, Sophie's Choice? No, not so okay. much. There was some sort of, like, I was looking, there was some sort of controversy about the novel, but it was confusing and boring, so I stopped reading it. But, so yeah, that's all the well, information what? I have. I want to know more. I don't really know. Something about the anti-Semitism of Poland was controversial. I don't, I don't know. Okay. You'll have to look that up on your own, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Now that you're hooked. <laughs> Kyle, what did you think about Sophie's Choice? I don't think it lived up to the hype. Yeah. I don't even think it's that depressing of a movie, honestly. It's not like I mean, take take those great solids. I mean, it's about the Holocaust, obviously. It's it's depressing in that right. But I'm just saying, like, everyone's like, oh, this is the saddest movie of all time. Like, I think sad is how long it took to get to the fucking point, honestly. Well, and I think we should put the caveat in here that while neither of us had seen this movie before we both knew what the what the twist was going into it or like sure, but what like, her choice was i guess but that's not i hate that though it's like oh the title look for it that's the twist oh my god it's well, walking away with thing. Like, here's the thing i feel like if you didn't know that going into it if you knew nothing about the movie maybe you would think her choice was like between nathan and stingo or whatever do you know what i mean like and you wouldn't be looking for a choice because you think that you've already seen her choice so then when that moment comes i do feel like this for me it felt like this movie must completely rest upon that like shocking reveal at the end yeah it does because it doesn't work if you know that that's coming right also I i want to point out this is like this is a holocaust story like told from the eyes of a fucking young virgin writer it's like 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 that's what that's what like our our intro is to these characters and it's like it's so unnecessary like why can't we just see her story no i I get it's based on the you know i'm not saying like yeah i'm saying if this wasn't obviously the source material but i just feel the way it tackled it made it so much less compelling honestly like all we're doing is seeing these people live in this house in brooklyn and talking yeah and it's slowly revealed, you know, she's obviously, she survived the Holocaust, and then she had kids, and then... Yeah. We won't give away the twist in case people are interested in seeing the movie that haven't seen I it. I mean, no. It's been it's been years. I don't, I'm don't. i not really going to pussyfoot around it, but... Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't have to, I guess. But, yeah, it's just like, honestly... And this is the guy who did, I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time, All the President's Men. And then this is like the most boring, like, looking movie. Like, there's... It, didn't it like get nominated for best cinematography or win best cinematography um it didn't win it might have been nominated oh okay 
I don't know. I, th- I thought like somewhere it was like plotted for its cinematography, which like yeah. only the brief scenes in the con- in Auschwitz look at all interesting. Mm-hmm. The rest of the movie is just bland. There's nothing to look at. Honestly, this felt more like it was adapted from a stage play than it was a book. See, I felt it. I did think it was like very booky. Like when we got done watching, I said to you, I said, I bet that was a good book. <laughs> but like. Because yeah. that's just what it feels like. It just feels like, yeah, if I was, like, immersed in these characters and reading a book, I bet it's, like, compelling. Yeah. But it's not – that remove of having this, like, third party be, like, the narrator about her life is just kind of, like, unnecessary in a movie. Like, I don't know, what's the point? Yeah. I really don't find it. I don't know. I'm trying to look up to see if it got nominated for Best Cinematography for you. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it was nominated. Okay, cool. Uh, but, yeah, what do you think? Um, I feel like I've said what I think. Yeah, like, I agree with you. I I was excited to watch it just because I do think this movie gets hyped up a lot. Um, I mean, everybody says it's, like, sad. I feel like people don't watch enough sad movies. I mean, it is sad. Uh. It's not, like, the saddest thing I've ever seen. But it's not happy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't think it, I don't think it's, like, overall, like, dreadful. I think there's a moment, or, you know, there's, like, 20 minutes of this two and a half hour movie that are like actual like i don't know i'm invested in what's happening i will say like but, the moment like the moment of this movie i did get like choked up a little bit even though i knew it was coming even though i knew what it was really? i did think it was still like kind of powerful it didn't have that moment for me and like i'll cry, I'll cry during a commercial like you know yeah. what i mean and like i just spent two hours with these characters and it's just like i don't know and also i don't know i don't know the powerful moment they already give away the reveal 15 minutes earlier of her choice well yeah you know what her just, choice now you're just watching be, but the it's, moment but the scene and play out i think it's still kind of like i mean it's sad like obviously anything that happened in the house is this based on a true story by any means uh yeah it's like based on um some story it's like people told stories that were similar to this and it's based on those anecdotes okay i, I don't want to call it like, an anecdote I'm, but yeah well yeah and i'm not gonna like shit on something you know obviously stuff like this really happened and that is terrible i'm just saying it's like it's like i feel like if i'm the director i'm making this movie for that like for that like one scene right mm-hmm. and he put all of his care into that scene that scene is good but again the rest of the movie is just bland yeah like, the only time we get outside this house is for like well it's that one girl's apartment which that scene is just over the top nuts. That scene is so uh, unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. It's like really all we get out for, you know? Besides it's the just concentration like, camp. Yeah. Yeah. And this house is, I don't know. I don't know. I will say, I think that um, Hot Take here, Meryl Streep was really good in it. And she did, this is one of the movies that she won an Oscar for. Um, And I think her performance is really, really great. Again, I know it's I know it's not like groundbreaking to say Meryl Streep is good in a movie, but I really think without her, without that performance, this movie would I mean, be like yes. nothing. Yeah. No one would be talking about it if it wasn't for her performance in it. Yeah. Because I don't like I just I think she's good in it. I wouldn't say it's like one of the great performances though. I mean, I think she's given better performances, yeah. yes. Yeah. But again, she's like one of the best actresses. Sure, but so. she is the only thing that holds this down at all. I mean, again, like the main guy, Stingo, I forget the actor's name, but he's like, he's played by what became a character actor. Like, yeah, he's like on Alley McBeal and, and stuff, like yeah. Kevin Klein kills it, but like his character is so. 
Kevin Klein's character. I feel like if what didn't cold. work for me for him is like I feel like he's supposed to be this like very charming person, but I like never liked him. Like the whole like point of his character is that like he's despicable. Like he does awful things, but yet he like work like he's so charming that you can't help but love him when he's not being awful. But I was just like I hate him all the time yeah so i'm not really you don't see that. enough of the ch- well one you open up hating him like the yeah. f- his introduction is like he is treating her like garbage mm-hmm. which i don't think is if you're supposed to feel for that character sympathize with that character it's not a good portrayal um and yeah you're right even when it's gen- when he's like nice it's in like montage yeah it's rarely in you know i just feel like there's so many bad choices in this movie honestly you're right all their bonding is like a thruple or yeah. whatever the hell they are is like all done in montage, so you yeah. don't really, like, get it. It doesn't, like, have any weight to it. Yeah. But I said, like, I made the comparison, too. I feel like it's very much, like, trying... Like, I'm sure the book or whatever is, like, inspired by paying homage to, like, The Great Gatsby, where you have, like, this outside person viewing this dysfunctional, you know, relationship, this, like, unhealthy, yeah. toxic relationship. And so I get that, but I just don't think it works as well yeah i mean here. i understand it's a trope but it's just at the end of the day that's all, that's all it felt like in this movie was a trope right he was unnecessary really all right know. it felt like honestly like i mean again not knowing the book it felt like they tried to make this epic book with like a shoestring budget and that's what we got and i, I know that's not the case but that's just like what the, again the production design the fact they almost never leave this house it just felt like it was this like smaller movie inside of a bigger story yeah that's true i don't know didn't care for it devin i know well you want to know what other people thought about it not really well i'm gonna tell you anyway okay uh in rotten tomatoes it has an audience score of 85 percent and a critic score of 74 percent and there's no critics consensus <laughs> yet <laughs> um at the box office i made 30 million dollars uh, I was nominated for five Oscars and it won one for uh, Meryl Streep for Best Actress. And as far as his legacy, on the American Film Institute's anniversary list of the best movies of all time, it ranked at number 91. It's too high. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't crack the top 100. That's great. What is this list? Who decides these things? I don't know. I'm sure you can. I'm, I don't, the American Film Institute, they have a whole big long thing about who voted for everything. Okay. But no, that's I, fair. That's I don't fair. know off the top of my head. That's fair. Um, I just feel like people are misremembering this movie. I feel like. I think if this is what I'm saying, though, I think if you don't know the ending and you I feel like that probably has such like an emotional punch right at the end that it does kind of like. Leave you feeling like, oh, that was cool. That was a good movie. If even like I, yeah, up until that moment, I think it wasn't. that's a device that doesn't exactly make a good movie. I agree. I'm just telling you why I think people remember it. That's what I'm like, saying. Well. I think they're misremember. I think they need to go back and rewatch and be like, wow. Well, I don't know. They don't need to do that. <laughs> they yeah, can well, just take true. our word for it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, let's listen to a couple kids. Mm-hmm. We're right. 30, by the way, so we're not kids. But I was referring <laughs> to like old people <laughs> thinking we're kids. I have a baby face, so. You shave that beard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's making this baby face look older, okay? <laughs> Trying to look respectable. All right. You want to talk about our next movie? No. Yes. Okay. Up next, we have Das Boot by Wolfgang Peterson. It's, v- it's Wolfgang. Wolfgang Peterson. I'm not doing German accents. <laughs> um, and it was distributed in the U.S. by Columbia. A synopsis. The claustrophobic world of a World War II German U-boat. 
boredom, filth, and sheer terror. <laughs> it's quite a synopsis. In any of your research, did you find out like what U-boat meant? Like I've always heard that term, but it doesn't look like a U, you know, so I was just wondering. Well, I don't know. I think that's just what they called their submarines. I don't think it's got to be a reason, though. Like what it's Underwater? Name. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> underwater boat. But yeah. That's that sounds, how you say it in German. That so lame than, than submarine. Yeah. Why don't they call them submarines? Isn't that what uh, they are? They call them U-boats. Okay. They're like, we call our submarines. I don't know. Okay. I don't know enough about about boats. Well, I thought you'd do your research, though. I do research about movies, okay. not about boats. Movies all about a boat, so. <laughs> okay. You want to know what I actually did look up about yes, this I movie? Do. Too much, apparently, as I'm reading over this right now. <laughs> Buckle in. Um, it was written by Wolfgang Peterson, who directed it, and it was based on the novel Das Boot by Lothar Gunther Buchheim. Buchheim. I'm sorry, guys. I can't do German names. Mm. There's a lot of names you can't do. <laughs> it Move doesn't on. matter. I'm going to call him Gunther. Okay. <laughs> the writer. Yeah. Based on his wartime experience as a journalist on board the U 96. Ah. And even though he was impressed by the technological accuracy of the film's set design and port construction buildings, he was he expressed great disappointment with Peterson's adaptation in a film review published in 1981, describing Peterson's film as converting his clearly anti-war novel into a blend of, quote, cheap, shallow American action flick and a contemporary German propaganda newsreel from World War II, end quote. Interesting. Again, yeah. that must have, that might have been the theatrical cut. We'll get to that. Though. Yeah. Um, production for this film originally began in 1976. Several American directors were considered, um, and the, the captain was originally supposed to be played by Robert Redford. Uh, disagreements sprang up among various parties and the project was shelved. Another Hollywood production was attempted with other American directors in mind, um, this time with the captain to be portrayed by Paul Newman. This effort primarily failed due to the technical concerns, for example, how to film the close encounter of the two German submarines at sea during a storm. So the actual production of the movie that is uh, took two years and was the most expensive German film at the time. Most of the filming was done in one year to make the appearance of the actors as realistic as possible. Scenes were filmed in sequence over the course of the year, and this ensured natural growth of beards and hair, increasing skin pallor, and signs of strain on the actors who had, just like real U-boat men, spent many months in a cramped, unhealthy atmosphere. Uh, so several different sets were used. Two full-size mock-ups of a type V-I-C boat were built, one representing the portion above water for use in outdoor scenes and the other a cylindrical tube on a motion mount for the interior scenes. And the mock-ups were built according to U-boat plans from Chicago's Museum of Science and Industry. Most of the interior shots were filmed using a handheld Aeroflex of cinematographer Yost Vacano's design to convey the claustrophobic atmosphere of the boat. It had two gyroscopes to provide stability and a different and smaller scale solution than the study cam so that it could be carried throughout the interior of the mock-up. Hmm. Yeah, the shots in there are like incredible for how they just go throughout the whole boat. Yeah, it's so smooth. Yeah, it's insane. And such like a tight yeah. thing. Is that it? Yeah, those are all my facts. Okay. So this was your pick for our supplementals yeah because it got a lot of nominations it did for a foreign right. film it got a lot of nominations yeah. um i'll get to that well i can tell you right now it was nominated for six academy awards mm -hmm. so what'd you think about it it's your turn okay um 
first of all, like you were saying, there are various cuts of this movie. There was a theatrical cut, which was about two and a half hours, right? Or like yeah. an hour and a half? Yeah. I don't know. There's like, like, two, like seven hours, different versions of this movie. Sure. We watched the director's cut, not by my choice. I, it wasn't my choice either. It was an accident. Mm-hmm. I promise you it was. I pro- I know clearly it says direct, but I was like, honestly, I just found it and I clicked pay now right away. I didn't look at anything else. Yeah. Um. So the version that we watched, we watched the director's cut, which probably is the better film because from what you were saying, the the theatrical cut has less character development. It's yeah, more it seems like, like it's all the action, which I, I'm assuming is what the novelist r- review was 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 aimed for. Yeah, yeah, because I thought his um, comments were kind of interesting because I definitely felt like this was an anti-war movie. A hundred percent. So again, yeah, you took out like all the true, you know, yeah. war stuff. Yeah. And then I guess there's a TV. They released it in Germany as a TV series too, or maybe it was here. I don't know. There was a TV version yeah, of it too. Yeah, I think it was the BBC, which was had maybe. an additional eighty minutes. Yeah. Which is creepy. Yeah, wow. I, I don't know. But I mean, as a TV series, that makes sense. Yeah. So we watched the three and a half hour version, which was a bit long for me because I'm not a huge fan of war movies. Mm-hmm. But I will say the ending of this movie, which I won't spoil because I do think people should watch it. But like the ending of this movie really like changed how I was feeling about the movie throughout the entire thing. I thought the ending was so strong and so like. It's just something you don't see in a lot of movies, especially in war movies. And I really, like, respected it for doing it. And it, it left me overall feeling a lot more positive about the movie than I was throughout. There's a lot in this movie of just a lot of men in a cramped, dark place being quiet. Like, long scenes of just men sitting in the dark, not making noise. And that's a, that's a it's lot. Riveting. It's riveting. It's <laughs> riveting, Devin. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a huge war picture fan either, but like this is like one of the better ones I feel like I've ever seen. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny too because like, wait, did we already mention this? But like, you take out the, you take out those scenes of dialogue, and you're just watching this movie about Nazis mm-hmm. trying to beat the British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so really, like, man, I don't well, know. They're how German the, soldiers. I, I don't want to call them Nazis. They're German soldiers. Well. That's not the same thing. A lot of swastika wearing, okay? Okay, but like I'm just saying. I know what you, I do know what you're saying. I do understand. But I'm saying like you could easily just if you don't have that character development and find out who these people really are, like God, what a different movie you'd be watching, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Because you do care about these characters regardless of their, you know. When you can tell them apart. Well, they're all they all kind of hate Hitler, which is kind of great. Not all. There's one that really loves Hitler, but. But he, he's a nerd. Who cares? Yeah, he's him. like a little, well, <laughs> kiss ass dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of anti uh, Hitler sentiment stuff, and which is kind of obviously cool. But mm-hmm. again, well, I mean, Hitler I, was I feel sending like those, them in there. I feel like those quiet scenes though are, are everything. Like the like the characters getting to know these characters is my favorite part of the movie. But those action scenes where they are having to be quiet, they are listening, they are getting bombed or whatever else, yeah. waiting for their torpedoes to strike. Yeah, this shit is tight. <laughs> it is good. It is. You know, I was thinking about it because I was like, I don't really like war movies, but I did like this movie. And the other war movie that we watched this podcast that I really liked was All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. So I'm like, you what like I like anti-war. is anti-war movies. Because yeah, you're a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, yeah, those are the, well, no one wants to watch pro-war movies. No. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, there was a time when a lot of people did want to watch pro-war movies because yeah, there was a lot of them all, made. They were all, you know, ignorant. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're about to get canceled. <laughs> Why? Because I don't think we can say anything. No. Like we can't say somebody's, somebody's ignorant? If they like a war movie? Yeah, I mean, I'm just joking, though. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I think, like, obviously, World War II, before we knew of, like, the crimes and, the, and the, the, the scale of what was happening, I think it did pump America to, like, be positive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and get things done. And we did glorify it. But almost, to, like, we glorified it in a way that's, like, we were because we were trying to be positive and well, i think yeah sorry go ahead no you finish you i don't know i didn't mean to go ahead no you go ahead i'm waiting fin- no seriously i don't remember what i was saying oh yes you do no, i don't but i'm just saying i think it took you know it took years later to realize like the true horrors of it mm-hmm. and you know i'm oh, sorry go ahead no go. no no you go it's your turn I was just going to say, I think World War II, a lot of movies get made about it because it is a really easy, um, there are very clear lines of good and yeah. evil in that war, which in a lot of wars you don't get. So I think a lot of movies are made about World War II. But I was thinking about this too. All Quiet on the Western Front is also, it's about World War One, but it's told from the German perspective. Yeah. Which I also think is interesting. Well, it's told from both perspectives, isn't it? Isn't it? I thought, I it thought it's told from German. like a variety of perspectives. I, I don't remember. Maybe pretty sure okay but there are german yeah we do get german yeah we do get german perspectives for sure but i just think it's interesting too that like then their perspective might be a little bit different because they're you you're not you can't make a german war movie about the world war ii and have them be like you know they lost you know what i mean so you can't have like the same way that like america makes world war ii movies and so I think that maybe then that's what makes it more interesting because you're it's less about the war. It's less about the good versus evil. It's less about that. And it's more about the human experience of what war yeah. is actually like. Yeah. Yeah. They, they open up the movie. They open up Das Boot with like a, a figure that's like there's 40,000 U- U-boat, um, you know, men mm-hmm. in World War Two and only 10,000 returned. Mm-hmm. So it opens up like being like this is a horrific thing. Mm-hmm. and goes in so it doesn't i don't feel like it ever tries to really glorify what's what's happening no not at all well that's just it the whole thing is like all these when it starts out it's all these like young guys super excited to go on their mission or whatever and like the old the captain who's like been yeah. through it before is like okay guys yeah. that excitement's gonna die real quick yeah so. you don't know this is a hard life yeah yeah this movie definitely like, not that i thought that i would enjoy being on a submarine but i definitely know i wouldn't like it now <laughs> <laughs> God, it does not. It doesn't there's, look like there's fun. There's one toilet. Yeah, I don't even. One, 50 men, one toilet. You tell me that, how that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I have to imagine it smell like there's. I don't think there's any way for oh, them to dude, clean their clothes. No. It has to smell so bad in that. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Devin last night. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a war movie like a World War Two movie where they didn't all smoke cigarettes constantly. So I was wondering if like you can't smoke cigarettes on U boats or. If the filmmakers just like did not want to deal with a smoky environment constantly, yeah. you know, because I, mean? I, I get that, too. That's a lot to be around. So I'm yeah. just wondering if the real U-boat people did, but like if they just didn't for the sake of the movie or or if you know. can't I feel have like, a I don't know how U-boat. you could. I don't know. Why can't uh, you? I don't know. It's like, I guess they used to smoke on planes, but like. It just seems they, well. They had ventilation on planes. Yeah, I don't think there's ventilation in a. <laughs> Not great when you dive. Yeah, when you dive, I don't know. I suppose while you're like above water or whatever, you know what I mean? But like, the, yeah, but then there's only like the one hatch. Like, I don't know. I don't know. 
It had a smell. You know what? I felt so bad for these guys. Yeah, it sounds disgusting. That's probably what the TV version is. 80 more minutes of like dealing with the smells. Yeah. <laughs> and then like when he was going like, crazy, cutting the mildew out of the bread. I was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, because you think, man, you got you don't you know you don't have a lot of room, especially when you have to store like necessities too. Yeah. There's food all over these U boats. Yeah. I feel like we're talking more about history now, yeah, less about the movie. This isn't but really like, about the movie. But interesting i thought it was, i thought it was fascinating though it was it was uh you want to know what other people thought about it yeah has a rotten tomatoes audience score of 96 percent and a critic score of 98 percent critics consensus reads taught breathtakingly thrilling and devastatingly intelligent das boot is one of the greatest war films ever made um at the box office it made 84.9 million dollars worldwide at the Oscars, like I said, it was nominated for six, and it holds the record for the most nominations for a German film, but it did not win any. But oh. it was nominated. It was nominated for like best director and like best. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it didn't get best nominated for best picture. Right? Yeah. Wait, it didn't win for best cinematography? Mm-mm. If you fucking tell me right now that Sophie's Choice won for best cinematography, no, Gandhi won for best cinematography. Oh, that, yeah, that works. I forgot that movie. <laughs> <I> forgot. <laughs> um, it's not named. As far as its legacy, it's not named to any notable lists. Okay. All right, on to our third movie that we're talking about, and that is The King of Comedy by Martin Scorsese, distributed by 20th Century Fox. Now, you may be asking yourselves, <laughs> listeners. No one's asking. This is a movie, this is a podcast about 1982 No movies. one would even know, Devin. What Why are, you are we talking about why The King of Comedy? Why are you this ship? That came out in 1983. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> listeners. I'll tell you why we're talking about it. Because Letterboxd is a liar. It lied Don't to us. you dare trash Letterboxd. So a little a little peek behind the curtain of how, how we pick these supplementals. A lot of times we go to Letterboxd and we look. You can search by year, and it's it's organized by the movies that have the most positive reviews. And so we'll look at like the top couple movies for that year to kind of pick out which movies we want to talk about for our supplement episode. And the King of Comedy was listed under 1982. So I was like, I just want to point out, I great. looked, I looked at what was nominated in the Oscars to pick Das Boot, but okay, you, you could. <laughs> well, there's multiple ways we do it. There's yeah, multiple there ways. Is, there is, there is. And uh, so yeah, so we watched it. I've always wanted to see it. hadn't seen it before. I was very excited about it. Big then fan I started. Of the Joker, Devin is. So she was, <sighs> Don't she was... it. stop it. And um, and then I was doing my research after we watched it. I said, Oh, this movie came out in 1983. Not in Iceland. Not in Iceland. In Iceland, it came out in 1982, hence why in some places you'll see that it came out in 1982. Why a movie would come out in Iceland before anywhere else, I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. Well, they love humor over there. But everywhere else, it came out in 1983. But we decided to talk about it anyway because my other suggestion was I would talk about the the number one rated Whoa, movie on Letterboxd from 1982. Are you, why are you just trying to sink this ship? Which dude? is Blade Runner. But one of my, one of these hosts <laughs> didn't want to talk about Blade Why Runner. Don't refer to yourself in the third person. <laughs> um, yeah, Kyle hates Blade Runner. I don't hate so Blade we Runner. Talk about I don't it. hate Blade Runner. I just certainly didn't want to re- rewatch it. There you go, guys. What? It's iconic. I get it. That's a weird pause. Sorry, I was, I was listening for. It sounded like someone was getting murdered outside, yeah. but it's all good. <laughs> Listen, we all know, you know, we all know Blade Runner is a sci-fi classic. It is. It's it is. very good. It's a I agree. futuristic noir. I just didn't want to rewatch it. I know. 
But I, so I've seen so now the integrity the integrity of our podcast is completely jeopardized because Kyle didn't want to watch Blade Runner. You get your information from Wikipedia. <laughs> I get my information from a lot of different sources. That's fair. So anyway, let's talk about the King wow. of Comedy. Wow. Listen, if you want to talk about Blade Runner for a second, talk about Blade Runner. Um, I don't care for it all that much either, which is why I was okay with not watching it again. But I did want to talk about it, but you Kyle shot that down too. So I didn't. Well, you've already. You, you did. You, uh, why'd you even ask? Because you still brought it up. We're still talking about it, aren't we? Except we always now, said we were going to talk about now it. I look like a fool. <laughs> I think it's really good. I think that it's it. Some things don't work as well as maybe people remember it, them working. Yeah, I haven't seen every cut either. I've seen the That's theatrical true. and I've seen the director's cut. What's but the one that ha- we watched? The, the one final with the- cut. Some of some of them don't have the voice. Oh wait, right? I've not seen the theatrical. I don't know what I've seen. The director's cut or the final I don't know. cut? Fuck, I don't. Who knows? There's too many cuts. George Lucas over here. Uh, really, Scott is. I was like, that was a sentence. <laughs> that was a it? sentence. Uh, you know, I liked I liked 2049 better. I did like 2049 better as well. Yeah, I think it takes all the great stuff that worked about Blade Runner, like the world building and everything, and the ideas, and I just thought they they churned out a better movie. But that's just—I think Blade Runner does a good job of world building because yeah. it's based—it's based on a Philip K. Yeah, Philip Dick, K. Dick. Philip K. Dick uh, story. So, I think the world building is really great. I think the story—I think I don't know. Some I just, of it goes I, off the rails. A little yeah, bit. like I just don't love it. Like, like I'm glad the universe exists, and I bet like I don't know. People can like do awesome different stories in that universe. I mean, such as Denis Villeneuve, but like, I don't know. I get it. I get why there's huge fans of it. I mean, I do understand. I just personally don't love it. Agreed. Yeah. All right. You want to talk the about the score King? is sick though. Okay, but go on. Yeah, the score is good. All right. So let's talk about the King and comedy and pretend that it came out in 1982. Yeah. And not 1983. <laughs> Synopsis. Rupert Pupkin is a passionate yet unsuccessful comic who craves nothing more than to be in the spotlight and to achieve this. He stalks and kidnaps his idol to take the spotlight for himself. Bit of a spoiler in that synopsis, but what are you going to do? I mean, it had to be in the trailer back in the day. That's Otherwise, true. what's the movie? That's true. Yeah. All right. Fun facts. It was written by Paul D. Zimmerman. And at the time he wrote his script, Zimmerman was inspired by David Suskind, a David Susskind show on autograph hunters and an Esquire article on a fanatical Johnny Carson follower. Oh, okay. So that was interesting. Uh, De Niro prepared for Rupert Pupkin's role by developing a role reversal technique consisting of chasing down his own autograph hunters, stalking them and asking them lots of questions. As Grisezzi remembered, he even agreed to meet and talk with one of his longtime stalkers. Quote, the guy was waiting for him with his wife, a shy suburban woman who is rather embarrassed by the situation. <laughs> he wanted to take him to dinner at their house, a two-hour drive from New York. After he persuaded him to stay in Manhattan, De Niro asked him, why are you stalking me? What do you want? He replied, to have dinner with you, have a drink and chat. My mom asked me to say hi. Wow. Uh, after such a strong critical appreciation for the way in which Scorsese had shot Raging Bull, the director felt that the King of Comedy needed more of a raw cinematic style, one of which would take its cues from early silent cinema, using more static camera shots and fewer dramatic close-ups. Scorsese has noted that Edwin S. Porter's 1903 film Life of an American Fireman had greatly influenced the King of Comedy's visual style. Why would you even bring that up? I thought that was interesting. I have no idea what he's talking about. How is that interesting? Well, I thought it was interesting. I mean, like, Raging Bull is, like, 
considered one of his like masterpieces and i think it's interesting he like consciously yeah no i mean decided to do something i do find that as interesting but i have no reference to what you know he's maybe some of our listeners do okay that's true check out 1903s i thought it was wait oh three i said oh three maybe you should listen when i talk i was listening doesn't seem like it Hmm. i think your threes and eights sound a lot alike okay Hmm. all right oh is that it yeah oh that's it for facts okay i have other facts on my pepper in when we're talking that's all I wrote down. <laughs> okay, but you have you have more memorized. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. All right. What did you think about the King of Comedy? I really liked it. Me too. Cool. Good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got all my words out on Das Boot. I don't know. Yeah, this is a new movie though. I know. I don't. Know. Jumping off, I feel like you got some stuff to say. So. I mean, I don't know what to say. Barnes Chris says he as I'm sure listeners of this podcast probably have realized by now, it's one of my favorite directors. And this is a movie that my dad has always talked about as being one of his favorites that I had never seen. And so I was, that's why I, was, I picked it as my pick for this episode. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's really, really good. I think that um, – I don't know what I was about to say. I lost my train of thought completely. Hmm. Why don't you say something so there's not silence on the podcast? I mean, yeah, I would also agree. I think this is this gem that I never I never saw of Scorsese's until now. Um, yeah, I think I think De Niro gives like an awesome performance that and what's her name? Um, Sandra Bernhard. Sandra Bernhard. Like they give these two kind of uh, these two performances that are nuanced and like, um, I don't know, they're having some some mental issues. Yeah, I will say Sandra Barnhart's performance is, like, amazing. And this was only, like, her second movie, I think. And that whole, like, the whole scene between her and Jerry Lewis was, like, improvised. Wow. Which I think is, the scene is amazing, so. Well, yeah, but they, I don't know, I think it's a portrait of these, like, two characters, or these two actors who are, or sorry, these two characters. Um, they're kind of, like, going through some stuff that, I you know, I don't think had been explored too much in films prior to it. So, I, I mean, feel I feel like it touches on these things on, on mental health, but I don't know if there was really a framework for how people dealt with it back then. Yeah. And I do think it's something that like stalker and mental health stuff and stalkers and that kind of like obsessiveness, I don't think was like talked about very much back then. So I feel like maybe that's why people didn't respond to it as much when it came out. Whereas I think, um, as the years have gone on, it's kind of turned into like a, in hindsight classic type of thing. Whereas at the time, you know, not a lot of people saw it but um i just think that like the conversation around mental health has definitely like changed a lot and so i think that this this movie i mean it has some stuff about mental health but i think it also says a lot about fame about the people that we like what it takes to become famous about what it means to want to be famous you know what yeah, i mean I think, like, yeah i think more about yeah what it means to want to be famous sure i think like obviously i, I I feel like they're not even addressing kind of mental health stuff in the movie. It's more about these stalkers and they're, they don't realize they're really talking about mental health issues, you know? Right. Um, but what's the comment really? Like, sure. Maybe De Niro had some stalkers and, and, uh, Scorsese had a stalker or whatever, but like, why make the movie? I really want to know why they chose this story. Yeah. Because that's not enough. I'm sorry. That's not enough. Well, I think it was when I looked at the thing, Robert De Niro bought the rights to it and he wanted to make it and he shopped it around to like a bunch of directors. Um, Cause Martin Scorsese 
thought that he was going to retire or something. He said he was going to retire after Raging Bull. And then he decided he wanted to make uh, Last Temptation of Christ because that's like, it was his passion project for forever. That's insane. And then, <laughs> and then he, and uh, 40 years later, he's still making movies. Yeah. Okay. I, and then, so I guess like Robert De Niro finally, like, he wanted to do a comedy because he thought it would, I don't sure. know. Sure. I mean, take a break. yeah, I don't think he didn't have much in that space, right? Yeah. And then, but I read something that like this, this movie was so like grueling for them to make, like Scorsese and De Niro particularly that like they that's part of the reason they didn't work together again for like seven years why was it so grueling i guess i think robert de niro talked about he's a he does like method acting i think for the most part so i think like getting into that headspace of this person i guess was like hard for him gotcha i mean yeah i could imagine i mean this this movie is like anxiety fueled like oh my god yeah i haven't felt like this in like in such a long time like I felt more anxiety during this than I did Das Boot. And Das Boot has some, like, pretty intense scenes. Like, honestly. Um, but this movie is just uncomfortable at times. It throws you but, in, like, immediately. From, like, the first, like, minute of this movie, I was just, like... Because I get... When other people are, like, doing things that are awkward, even if they don't... Especially if they don't see how awkward it is and they're just, like, pushing forward. Like, it just makes me so oh. deeply uncomfortable that it, like... Like, oh, I like can't stand it. And it like literally like that's how this movie just like throws you into that feeling and kind of just like yeah. never lets you come out of it. No, it really does. Especially like the third act. Yeah. You know what? No, the whole damn the whole thing. thing. You're is- right. It's like throughout. Once you figure out what's going on, this guy clearly has some issues. Mm-hmm. It never lets you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I want to talk about, too, I really liked the way that the um, there's a lot of like stuff that's we see that's happening inside Rupert's head. That's not real. Like, you know what I mean? Like his fantasy. And I liked, I read a thing like Lawrence just says he was talking about, like he read somewhere that like your fantasies don't look any different. If you're like thinking about something, it looks like real life. So that's why he wanted to make it look exactly like real life. And so I really, I thought that was a really yeah a good way to do it. And then it also, I think with the ending leaves you a little bit questioning, is that real or is that, still is fantasy because yeah. you don't know which i i love an ambiguous what you're trying to say ending. is like they they kind of just cut between conversations of a fantasy and him reacting in his mom's basement right the, the audience doesn't know what you're talking about right? well you know they have I mean? if they've seen the king comedy <laughs> right 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 but but yeah that's what's going on and i do think it yeah i do it think works it works so super well. well super well and there are still there are moments like when they were going to his house and you were like is this really happening like are they really doing this i or couldn't is- believe it right because yeah it's just it's but and it puts you in that mindset where you're like, I don't know so what's well. real and what's not either, know, which is what he's going through. And it's insane that it is real, you know? Oh, yeah. and also, fantastic performance by everyone involved. Like, everyone. Jerry, yeah, Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis job. was excellent. I read, I think uh, Robert De Niro was saying that he he was initially against Jerry Lewis because he was afraid that he was going to, like, ham it up and be all Jerry Lewis-like. He didn't know if he could, like, like do a dramatic this, thing. like, subtle, kind of what... I would have, I would imagine Jerry Lewis seems like outside of the public light, you know. Yeah. Oh, and then also that scene where he's walking down the street and people are recognizing him. Is that just real? All of that was real. And then the only like actors. Is that why he kept the name Jerry? That works. That's why he kept the name Jerry so they could use real people's reactions. Gotcha. And um, the one, the actress who's on the phone yeah. and yells like, "I hope you get cancer. Yeah. You should get all nothing but cancer." I think is what she said. Is based on a real thing that happened to Jerry Lewis, and he like directed her on how to do it. That's so awesome. Yeah, she's like, oh, will you talk to my nephew? And he's like, he's like, no, I'm sorry, I gotta go. And she's like, I hope you get fucking cancer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, gives a great performance. And that's why I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy that this movie, this movie was not nominated for any Oscars. I think it's crazy that Robert De Niro wasn't nominated, that Jerry Lewis year. wasn't nominated in any yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it honestly does blow my mind. It's almost like, were they fed up with Scorsese at that point? Like, I'm just... This was, what, like a year, I don't two care. years after Richie Someone Ball? was pissed off at them because I don't understand how they didn't work. Well, if you can fucking hate Martin Scorsese is the problem. We all know this. I mean, you know, he's... He's what? <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing I was thinking he's about. He's a though. little overrated. No, here's the thing I was I'm thinking about. Like, as we do these episodes, like, watch these movies, just podcasts, yeah. and, like, do these things, I just feel like there's so many people that we continually talk about every season. I know. I and know. Martin Scorsese, we've talked about multiple times every se- across decades. So, so what the Oscars do love him. They just didn't love this movie, I guess. But he didn't win. And he has, he has one Oscar. He has one. He has more than one no, Oscar. No, he has one Oscar. He has one Oscar for directing. Doesn't he, has, he have, like, a best picture or anything? He has one Oscar. Like he has on his shelf at he home. He has one Oscar. Marty has one Oscar. Yes. Hmm. That's rough. That's that is weird. That is weird. How many does Tarantino have? That's everybody else's favorite, right? I don't know. He probably has at least two for screenwriting. Yeah, like he has more than Martin Scorsese. Yeah, but he, I don't think he has any for directing though. No, I don't think so either. But I'm just saying. I just think it's interesting. Like I kind of want to because I like to make charts and things. I want to like make a chart of like how many times we talk about different people. Oh, cool. Yeah. On here, because I feel like there's like. I mean, Paul Newman, obviously, we talk about across various decades. Sissy yeah. Spacek, I feel like, comes up a lot. Yeah. You know, one regret I have about this podcast hmm. is actually something, like, I never wanted to do. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's not actually a regret. But I think, like, a, a more interesting format would have been to go from the beginning <laughs> onward. You mean what I suggested? Is that really your suggestion? Yeah, that was what I said. I just think it would have been interesting to, to kind of go, because we would have literally experienced... The... yeah i think sometimes it's easier to look though at the trends when you're starkly contrasting yeah i agree no i like the way decades. we do it i like the way we do it and i think it's the only pal like palpable way to do it. i but... couldn't watch yeah to start with the 30s and do yeah do like to 20... do those 40s all in a row would yeah be rough. <laughs> it would have been a, it would have been a heck of a time you're right i know i love bouncing back i do i do i'm just saying like looking back in context it would have been interesting to see we go well once once we've recorded all the episodes People can listen in that order if they so choose. Sure. But I don't know if our in like... In 20 years when all those... I don't know if our quote unquote insights will be as aligned as they would be if we went in in, in actual order. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll never know. We'll, do it. we'll redo it when we're done. Okay. We'll start over again. For your re-reconsideration. <laughs> Let's see if someone else took that name. Yeah, guys. Someone took our podcast name. Let's not talk shit because they could probably talk shit about us and I don't want to We do were that. here first. That's why we have the Facebook page that someone accidentally linked to trying to talk about their podcast. So, do you even post on the Facebook page? Uh, no, I haven't posted on the Facebook page in okay. a long time. Wait, I have to go over the Let's sell it to them. What other people think about the King and Comedy? Okay, so it has a Rotten Tomatoes audience score of ninety percent, a critic score of eighty nine percent, and the critics' consensus reads largely misunderstood upon its release. The King of Comedy today looks like an eerily prescient and, pre- and features a fine performance by Robert De Niro as a strangely sympathetic psychopath. At the box office, made two point five million dollars against a nineteen million dollar budget. So, ooh, not a success. Why and like, why, we, so why did that movie cost so much money? I don't know. Okay, Jerry uh, Lewis. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and as we said, it wasn't nominated for any Oscars. And as far as its legacy, it's not been named to any notable lists. It's really crazy because honestly, this, this movie does hold up. I think it's very good. Yes. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. All right, so considering all our supplementals, Kyle, do you think any of them should have been nominated for Best Picture instead of movies that were nominated? Yeah. 
Okay. I'd say, honestly, Das Boo and King of Comedy deserve a spot on that list. I agree. And maybe that's keeping in context with, like, not just having just five, but if there were more or whatever. But um, I think both of them were deserving. Yeah. Of a slot. For sure. I think they're better than The Verdict. Yeah. What were the other movies? E.T. No, E.T. should have won. Das Boo over E.T. No, I'm just kidding. The only oh, way Das Boo would be better is if, like... No, no offense to Wolfgang Peterson, but if you got that like er, the Spielberg touch on it, oh, yeah, would have been even better. <laughs> a lot of movies would probably benefit from having Steven Spielberg back then. He didn't really get great at you know the war movies until like the nineties anyway, so maybe not. Maybe That's I'm wrong. True. Maybe I'm wrong. Alrighty. Well, I think we were both. Are we still in agreement then that ET still should have won? Best Picture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I also applaud the Academy for not nominating Sophie's Choice for Best Picture. Sure. <laughs> and Das Boot, Das Boot, I think, we on, only because of how they had the categories at the time, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I guess, let me see. Did it, it didn't even win, though, for Best Foreign Language. It wasn't nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Oh. oh. Which I find interesting. Hmm. Why is that? I don't know. Because it was nominated, it was nominated for like Best Screenplay, Best like Adapted Screenplay, Best Director, Best Cinematography. It's nominated for like big awards. Yeah. But um. But was there another German stuff. entry? No. That's really interesting. Okay. So I don't know. I really just I really do feel like guys. If I could recommend honestly, if I could recommend one movie we've talked about this the, this episode, it's uh it's Das Boot. I think it's honestly just I'm as much as I I really like King of Comedy like Das Boot. I think is a must see. I really like it. I want to go revisit The Hunt for October now. I think i'm into submarine movies it's my new thing <laughs> it's my new thing okay you start you boat movies i don't know <laughs> underwater boat movies underwater okay that sounds silly <laughs> i do like boat movies though i like boats. jaws overboard captain ron <laughs> i'm a boat movie guy i guess all right we learned something new every yeah, episode i hate boats by the way have you been on a boat? I don't really like them. Yeah, have I been on a boat? I've been on a yacht. Okay, I've never been on. I've never seen you on a boat. <laughs> it's nine years. I've never seen Wait, you on a boat. We went on to me. We went to Michigan and we went on the with Don. Right? Oh yeah. Okay, I've seen you on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on boats. Okay. All right. I'm been sorry. I'm sorry. Question your boat. boat. Your boat experience. Yeah, I kind of want to do dinner on a boat. Is that is that corny? No. Let's do that sometime. Okay. Once we're allowed to leave the house again. We'll yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no hurry. No hurry. <laughs> We've waited eight years at this point. What's a few more? Like nine. <laughs> we're like two months away from being together for nine years. That's insane. That's <laughs> all we've been doing the podcast, guys. We started back in our first year. It's taking this <laughs> it's long. It's taking this long to get to season three. three. Yeah, it's a lot of movies. It is it's a lot. Of you movies. watch all these movies. Speaking of, should, though. next week we'll be talking about the 1943 Oscars. So, uh, join us for that cool what's on that list you know 1943 movies cool we'll find out maybe some in 44 depending on <laughs> yeah, how we'll devin's choices go <laughs> all, right. all right we'll see you then bye bye